Hello, it is Monday, May 10th. I am Trent Reinsmith, and this is another edition of the Daily Come On Now MMA podcast. Today I'm going to focus on questions I have for the UFC and for Dana White ahead of UFC 262. And perhaps these questions can be asked by someone in the media who has you know, access to Dana White and the UFC at UFC 262. Maybe some will be asked, maybe some won't be, but I think they are all pertinent questions that the UFC and Dana White should address. And so I will start off with the first question I have here, and it is how are fighters testing positive on fight day for COVID-19? And this is specific, I think, to the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. And the follow-up question on that would be, uh, what's the entire press process and can you explain the quote-unquote bubble the USC has in Vegas? Because from everything I can see, that bubble is pretty permeable because if one person, say for example a UFC president, is free to walk in and out of the area at any time, free to go home and return to the area at any time, well then that bubble is useless and that's just one person so if more people can do that say everybody on the UFC team including employees including contractors including fighters drivers anyone physicians medics if anyone of those people can leave that bubble and move in and out of that bubble at any time the bubble's useless it's not it's not a bubble then it's just a it's just a, a word people throw around with no meaning. And I think that's where the situation where we're at. In Abu Dhabi on Fight Island, everyone was contained. And everyone was contained there because the government wanted everyone cont contained so it could use uh, the, the PR and say, we're good, everyone come here for their sporting events. Apex didn't have that because they don't really care outside of what happens at the UFC. So... Uh, I don't think there's any bubble. And then uh, then we go back to the original question. How is someone like Amanda Hibas testing positive on fight day? And because that should not happen. I mean, it could happen, but it's without any kind of questions about it, it looks fishy. And if the UFC doesn't tell us what's going on or the whole process and step-by-step -step process, which it doesn't have to, no one's obligated to, to, to tell the media that or the fans or or the fighters, or anyone. But if the UFC doesn't tell people that, well, it looks suspicious, and it looks like the UFC might be hiding something. And that's why these questions need to get asked, because the UFC's tight, tight-fisted media control is not helping it in this matter. And I know the UFC's just going to hope this goes away, and it probably will, because very few people care enough to keep bringing it up because it gets old it gets boring and fans don't want to hear it every every event but the fact remains the question has never been answered uh, another question then tied to that is where uh, Angela Hill and Amanda Hibas paid for that event both weighed in both got it to fight day uh, Hibas got sick Hill had no responsibility for the fight being called off should have gotten her pay, but again, what we know is that not everyone gets their pay. Some do, some don't, some get show, some get show and win, some don't get any. So 
it's a legit question because we never know what's going to happen. And one of the reasons we don't know what's going to happen is because the UFC is not obligated to tell tell us, the fan, the media, tell the fans, tell the other fighters. And it's not obligated to pay those people just because of how the contracts are structured. Now, if a manager had any kind of power, they would get that in the contract. If the fighters had any kind of power, they would get that in a in a CBA or at, or at the very least in every UFC fighter's contract. But as we know, fighters have very little, if any, power as to what goes on in those contracts. And so when a fight gets canceled on fight day, a fighter is left to cross their fingers and hope the UFC is feeling nice that day and will pay them. Kind of a joke. Kind of a joke. Um... Ryan Benoit, ben, Benoit, however you say it, I think it's Benoit. Um, why was he even allowed to weigh in on Saturday? It was clear that he was in dire straits. Uh, I saw the video, medics were with him, and then they kind of entered and walked off to the side while he was helped to the scale. And the, the uh, I guess the UFC folks are the Nevada State Athletic Commission folks, put a chair up on the stage for him to sit down in. He couldn't even step up to the scale without assistance. And as soon as he was done shaking and trying to keep his balance, he was put in that chair. And then I guess he got checked out by a doctor and then um, got back on the scale. Same kind of situation. Overweight by a fair amount. And then the fight was called off. So the question here is, why was he even allowed to weigh in should there be a rule that you know you can't weigh in if you can't make it to the scale under your power if a fighter looked as shaky as ben benoit did in the cage that fight wouldn't have went on that fight would have been stopped so how can you say this guy's good enough to fight the next day when he can't even walk to the scale without help that that should not be you know that you should not allow that man to weigh in sorry but that fight should have been scratched. Are there no doctors backstage to examine this person? I know there were medics and maybe and maybe some other people, but was there a doctor backstage? And if there is not a doctor backstage at weigh-ins, is there a doctor in the building at weigh-ins? And if there's not, why? Because, again, he should not have been allowed to weigh in once, let alone twice. And it's terrible. It's a, it was a terrible look. Um, it looked callous to me. An outside viewer would have been shocked. I was kind of more disgusted because we're at this point now where something like that is just, we're not worried about it. You know, he'll, he'll get some water in him and he'll be fine. That's how callous we are at, the, at this point. When we see something like that on a weigh-in day and think nothing of it, think it's not a big deal, think, you know, that's just the way it is. That's uh, we're on the road to disaster if that's the case. Most of the deaths, I think, in the sport are somehow tied to weigh-ins. We know people have died cutting weight, and not just in MMA. And we know there are rules, but we kind of ignore them for some reason or another. And the UFC gets to tout that it never had a serious injury or a death. But again, as I've said many times before, I think that is a matter of luck more than a matter of uh, rules and regulations in this sport so which goes to the next question i have which is why won't the ufc take action on weight cutting we know it can it can make fighters do anything at once 
It can make them show up at certain times. It can know their whereabouts in the USADA program. It can make them wear uniforms. It can make them toe the company line when it comes to sponsorships. It can, it can do all these things. It does all these things. But it can't have a say in weight cutting, which if you look at it is bullshit. The UFC has the PI. It could do 100% better at weight cutting. But you know why it doesn't? It doesn't because it's, a, it's able to say, well, these guys know the dangers and they're independent contractors and we're not liable for that. And this is the same thing that goes to that people were praising the UFC for that PI booklet and that had a concussion protocol. But who's enforcing that concussion protocol? The answer is no one. You can write whatever you want, but if, if it's not enforceable, and in the UFC's case, weight cutting issues are not enforceable, and uh, concussion protocol is not enforceable, that's just wasted words to make everyone feel better, and more importantly, to cover the UFC's ass. The UFC won't institute weight cutting policies because if it did so, it would probably have to make the uh, fighters employees. And then it doesn't want to do that. And it would also be liable then probably for anything stemming from weight cutting. But it's not that hard to do. You, you know, you make them employees and you test them throughout the year. If you can test blood, you can test weights. You can test uh, a body mass index. You can test how much fluid someone has. In, but the UFC does not want to do that because to do so, it would more likely than not be forced to make these fighters employees and that is a deal breaker because then they would not make as much money they would have to offer them real insurance instead of fight insurance and what we know is one thing the UFC does not want is these fighters to be employees and the other thing we know the UFC does want is keep the keep the the uh, financial split the way it is almost all in favor of the UFC and that's why it won't do anything about weight cutting. It has nothing to do with anything but employees and money. So the next one I would ask is, why does the UFC soft pedal homophobia, racism, sexism, and xenophobia? We saw again Donald Cerrone make a homophobic remark uh, related to Diego Sanchez as his knucklehead coach. And we've seen many other things in the, in this in this wheelhouse since um, since Matt Mitrione and Nate Diaz were the only ones punished for the homophobic remarks they made in the past. And I know the UFC likes to say it doesn't stifle anybody, but that's another convenient cop out. It's another way of saying, well, we can't really we can't do anything about it because they're independent contractors and you know whatever it, people say mean things. But again, that's a cop-out because if I, well, I'm a bad example since I'm a freelancer. Um, well, well, yeah, okay, let's say I say something that somebody that work, that work, that employs me as an independent contractor does not like and feels strongly about. They can dismiss me and that's the end of that. They can put me on uh, my, 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 it's not a contract per se, but my deal that with them can be paused canceled scratched cut at any time and so can the UFC fighters so if the UFC wanted to do this it could 
It doesn't want to do it because it doesn't want to. Uh, it wants to look like well, they're not they're not really UFC employees. They can say and do what they want. It's another cop out. Is another way for the UFC not to do anything about something that needs something should be done about. And at at one point, it's going to be so bad, so egregious that they'll have to act. And then what do they do? Because they have not acted in so long. So they're, I think they're setting themselves up for a big issue in the future here. And I'm not going to be surprised at all if it pops up very soon. Uh, we know Conor McGregor says stupid things. We know Colby Covington says stupid things. And we know that that line get the to- it gets towed right up to that line at some points. And one time, it's gonna, someone's going to step over it. And then the UFC is going to act. And then everyone is going to be up in arms because they did nothing about everyone else that came before. So something should be done. Nothing will be done. Um, this one is tied to the initial public offering of Endeavor. With the UFC now under a, you know, it's now a public company. And there's stockholders, and there's going to be um, certain stockholders who have a large number of shares, and maybe they're not so familiar with Dana White. Maybe they're just familiar with the fact that there's going to be a good return on this stock probably because of the financial way, well, the way the UFC works financially, which is 80% of the revenue goes to the promotion and 20 goes to the fighter. Maybe that was the appeal for somebody to invest a huge amount of money in and get a bunch of stock. And now they see Dana White ignoring homophobia, ignoring racism, ignoring sexism, ignoring xenophobia, um, saying dumb things himself. They see all these things and they think, well, you know what? Maybe, maybe we need to make him answer for these things or maybe we need to have him um, step in and, and discipline some of these fighters. And when that happens, what is White going to do? Is he going to do that? Will he do that? Will his bosses make him do that? Because now he doesn't just have one boss. He doesn't just have, well, um, two bosses, the, the, the bosses at Endeavor. Now he doesn't just have those. He has all the shareholders that he has to answer to. And that could make things ugly for White. Now I know some people don't think that's the case. Some people, I think, are under the impression that anybody that's going to buy this stock is all in on Dana White. But I think sooner or later that's going to turn south on them because when you see that you're limited to these, and let's face it, the majority of the UFC's sponsors are mid-tier to lower-tier sponsors. They're not getting, with very few exceptions, they're not getting the top-tier sponsors. If they can get those top-tier sponsors, well, then they want to get those top-tier sponsors. That way they'll have fewer, but they'll have more money. It's less stress on the system. It's less turnover. And the way to do that is have somebody in charge who those sponsors want to deal with. Maybe that never happens because of the way the sport is, but maybe some of that's because of Dana White. And if you can get a blue chip sponsor with a different person in charge, someone who maybe they take seriously and don't think of of as a, a mascot or a clown of sorts, well... Maybe someone's going to want that sooner or later. And maybe that's going to cost Dana White his job. Uh, The last question I had 
is what does the UFC consider a serious injury? Dana White has said that the UFC has never had a serious injury since it started. Um, Ari Emanuel has said that when he was trying to bump up the IPO. But I would say the UFC probably has a serious injury almost every fight card because almost every fight card, someone's getting a, a brain injury. Now, soft tissue injuries are different. Um, they can heal much better. Uh, broken bones can heal. Broken face can heal. But a brain injury is, I mean, it'll, it'll, you'll be able to recover to a certain point. But every time you get a brain injury, it, it takes a little away. It takes a little away. It chips away. And sooner or later, as life progresses, things get worse and worse and worse. So a, con a concussion or a brain injury is a serious injury. Just because you can't see it does not mean it's not serious. It's incredibly serious. And even the biggest MMA supporters like John McCarthy will tell you, what you saw from Chris Weidman or Anderson Silva where their leg broke like that, that is a serious injury, but it's not as serious as a brain injury because that leg will heal and it'll be strengthened. Well, it won't be strengthened, but it'll be, it'll heal and, and the person maybe will be able to perform as a fighter again, but they should be able to function fairly normally after that. At a certain point of brain injury, functioning becomes the focus and functioning as, as before doesn't, doesn't happen. The recovery just does not happen. We've seen it, um, and we know it. And we've seen NFL players dealing with this, and their brain's getting examined, and they come up with CTE. We see the players so aware of what is causing their issues that they shoot themselves in the chest for suicide, and then their brains get examined, and find out CTE is the issue. Now, I'm not saying fighters in the UFC have CTE because I can't say that because they cannot be examined currently uh, until, you know, the only way to find out CTE for sure is upon death. And would I be surprised if it happens in the future when, when fighters start getting old enough that either they die naturally or they have issues related to brain injuries and they're brains get examined and they find CT, will I be surprised by that? No. So the idea that the UFC has not had a serious injury is one of semantics. Every weekend or at least once a month or more, someone in the UFC has a serious injury and that serious injury is a brain injury. Don't let the UFC try and say that it has not had and will not have serious injuries. It has. And the way, I think, the way I look at it here, the only thing that UFC really considers a serious injury is if someone would die in the cage. Not even outside the cage, in the cage. That, I think, is the only thing the UFC would consider a serious injury. So maybe someone should ask White and the UFC, what's a serious injury to you? Is Chris Weidman's leg snapping a serious injury? Is someone getting carried out on a stretcher after they got knocked out a serious injury? And if... A concussion or a knockout is not a serious injury. What is? What do you consider a serious injury? I'd, I'd really like to know that one. And on that note, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, so if anyone's listening to this and they want to ask Dana White or anyone in the UFC any of these questions, see if they can get an answer, feel free. You can 
you know, if you feel like uh, getting a uh, reaction out of him, let him know that I had these questions right now because, I mean, he probably won't answer the question, but you might get entertained by what he says about me because doesn't seem to like me. Anyway, uh, that's all I have for this uh, this episode. And until maybe tomorrow, maybe the next day, everyone stay safe. <laughs>